This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'd like to welcome y'all to the Destination Devi Podcast, hosted by Ray Garvin, your number one source for everything Devi and Dynasty Fantasy Football. This is crazy. Right as I was publishing the podcast, I had the tweet geared up, was finna send it out for everybody to check out. Breaking news happened that Jeremiah Holloman is no longer a part of the UGA football team. And I have like a five minute spiel on Holloman in this podcast and why I thought he was a breakout candidate for the Georgia Bulldogs. So breaking news, this just in, Jeremiah Holloman is not on the Georgia Bulldogs football team, so disregard that. We're going to have to figure out what Georgia's going to do at wide receiver now. Those true freshmen, George Pickens, who I'm going to talk about in a little bit, and some of the other incoming true freshmen will definitely have more of a role, as well as Swift, James Cook, Zamir White. Um, uh, this is just, this is why you have to be careful in Debbie Leagues of investing so much capital into Players who aren't in the NFL because stuff changes so quick for these guys. So just want to let you guys know, breaking news, Jeremiah Holloman is not a part of the UGA football team. All right, welcome back for episode six of the Destination Debbie podcast. I'm your host, Ray Garvin. Find me on Twitter at RayGQ. And real quick before we get started, this is the last couple of days that you can enter for the signed DeAndre Hopkins jersey. Remember, I'm giving that away. All you have to do is go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, screenshot that, DM it to at Destination Debbie, and you're entered for the Hopkins drawing, as well as all drawings for the remainder of the year. Now, last night I was watching the NBA draft, and it's clear that that product that the NBA puts out is inferior in every single aspect compared to the NFL draft. Whether that's because we already know who the top picks are months or sometimes even years in advance, we all knew Zion Williamson was going first and R.J. Barrett was going to the Knicks, or we have no clue who the middle round guys are, it's just not a good product. And it was not a very enjoyable experience watching that last night. I watched the first couple of picks to watch Zion dunks and highlights, and then that was pretty much it. Whether you know, you've got guys wearing wrong hats, you've got teams making picks who the Picks don't even belong to those teams. It's just they really need to get it together. It's just not a good product. It's not comparable. But what the NBA does so well that dynasty leaguers can take note from, and it's a philosophy that I subscribe to myself personally, is in dynasty, much like the NBA, 
you want to either be a really, really good team or you want to be really, really bad. The worst place to be in the NBA is sort of in that middle abyss where you're a fringe playoff team, you're not really good enough to compete for a championship, and you're not that bad to where you're going to receive a top draft pick. Now, I compare that to the Warriors. You look at the Golden State Warriors. They've been to five straight NBA titles. They've made the playoffs. They've won Western Conference championships. And they've done this through free agency. They've done it through signing veterans to one-year deals in order to help their team uh, win, to add those assets to help that, you know Steph Curry and those superstars. Or you want to be really, really bad, like the New Orleans Pelicans, like the Los Angeles Lakers for years in order to acquire high-level talent like LeBron James, like Anthony Davis, and get those draft picks so that way you can leverage those assets for better veterans. And I really think that for dynasty leaguers, we should take that approach into consideration. I really think that the worst place to be in, in your dynasty leagues is right in the middle. You're not good enough to, to compete in the playoffs for a, a fantasy football championship, but you're not bad enough to get one of the top picks. Now, I was having a conversation a couple of days ago on Twitter uh, with an individual, Crombos J. I hope I said his name right. You can find him on Twitter at Crombos J. And he really got me thinking about this topic that I wanted to lead this show off with. And it's the dynasty owner who is rebuilding. And you're rebuilding because you took over a an orphan team that is just terrible. Or, you know, sometimes the strategy is I just want to select rookies and I want to build my team with youth and, and with with draft picks and assets and future drafts. Now, if you're going to do a rebuild, 2020 and 2021, these are the best years to actually apply that philosophy. I think that, and I've said it before in previous episodes, there will be a ushering in of new NFL talent between these two classes. I really think that there will be a changing of the guard for players that are beloved, that we care about now, but in a couple of years from now, we will see their value diminish significantly. So if you are going to do a rebuild, these are the years to do it. And in talking with him, you know, he was telling me about some of the assets that he had and the top draft picks that he had. And it really got me thinking, like, you know, this is something that that should be discussed. This is something that we need to talk about. And because of the depth of the 2020 class, because of the elite top-end talent that could potentially come out in 2021, this is the time to do it. Now, when you're leveraging those assets, I firmly believe there are certain periods throughout the fantasy season and throughout the NFL season in which you obtain maximum value for those draft picks. One, I think it's middle of your fantasy football season. I think right around that October-November timeframe when teams are really jockeying for playoff position when you've got some guys that are just a piece away from making that playoff push, you know, once that time hits, if if you're a dynasty owner who wants to rebuild, who wants to sort of start fresh and start with young, youthful talent, and you have a player like, let's say, Julio Jones or Adam Thielen on your roster who are very, very good fantasy assets right now, but a couple of years from now, we don't know what that landscape can be because of their age, because of, you know, if father time is inevitable, we will never beat father time. So if you had Julio Jones and you know that your team probably will not compete for a championship, let alone make the playoffs, why not trade him to a team that's one wide receiver away for their, let's just say, 2021 first, 2021 first, and 
Tyler Boyd or Tyler Lockett, where you're getting some youthful talent in return, a couple of draft picks that, and, and you may have an owner who doesn't want to give you the 2021st. What if he gives you your 2022nd, a 2021st, and Tyler Boyd? Is that a deal that you would consider doing? Helps him out right now, gives him immediate asset on the outside to help him compete for that championship, but it also gives you a player in return, a younger player who you know, may not have the upside of a Julio Jones, but definitely is a valuable asset, as well as acquiring that currency for the upcoming draft and future drafts. I think that is one of the time periods into which you can really maximize and capitalize on those draft assets and moving those picks to, I believe it's right after the NFL combine. All right. Not before, not, you know, weeks after, but right after said wide receiver drops a 4-3 in the 40, right after that running back has a sub-4 20-yard shuttle. That's the time, or sub-7-3 cone shuttle, that's the time when enthusiasm is just going to be ramped up to, to the highest degree. And that's still a couple of months away from the NFL draft. But right after the combine, you know, when, when we get to see the underwear Olympics and those guys go out there and just completely blow up the combine, that's when you can try to make some moves to to leverage those draft pick assets or veteran players. And then, of course, three is when you're on the clock. When you're on the clock, all hell breaks loose because people have guys that they want to get. They are just hell bent and, and, and just rookie crazed at that moment that they'll do just about anything. And again, I've used this example before. I saw somebody trade a 2020 first round pick for a 2019 third round selection. And I, I still can't believe that to this day, but that's the type of stuff that happens when you're on the clock. And for those of you who are rebuilding, the depth is so, so great from the wide receiver and running back positions in the 2020 class. And I venture to say the quarterbacks have a lot of potential too. Yes, absolutely. Tua, Herbert, those are your top guys. Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, but you've got Nathan Stanley, you've got KJ Costello, you've got Shea Patterson, who, depending on what he does this year at Michigan, can position himself to be, you know, an NFL draftable quarterback who may receive an opportunity. There are a lot of old quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So whether you're in a super flex league, PPR league, half point PPR league, standard league, 2020 is going to have a little bit of everything. Outside of the tight end position, I really hope you got your tight end in 2019. But there are dynasty owners who enjoy the rebuild. They enjoy going to select their players and watching their, their rookies developed over time. So if you are going to try that strategy or you've picked up an orphan team that is just devoid of talent, think about leveraging those veteran assets. And I, and I think you will be pleasantly surprised on the return that you can get. Right now, I don't think this is the optimal time to trade. There's not a lot going on. Don't just trade to trade. There's no point in doing that in Devi leagues, in traditional dynasty leagues. I know sometimes it can get stale and stagnant, but just wait. Hold on to those assets and just wait until you've got a couple of teams every year who are just a player away from winning that championship, and they'll do some crazy shit when it comes time to you know make a move in order to position their team for the playoffs. So. Great conversation uh, on Twitter that spurned this initial intro topic. And I do think that there is strategy to the rebuild. And if you're going to do it, 2020 and 2021 
These are the two years to do it. Now, continuing with our Debbie team preview, today I wanted to touch on the Georgia Bulldogs, and there's a lot to unpack with this Bulldog team, and majority of it centers around the talent at the running back position. Now, most people know DeAndre Swift and Zamir White, but they also have a running back, James Cook, who I'm very high on, and a senior running back in Brian Heron, who played last year, who will, he will inevitably get work this season as well. Now, Georgia has one of the best offensive lines in the country. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country with a bunch of talented young uh, wide receivers. So there will be plenty of running lanes and opportunities for these Bulldog runners to, to shine this season. But just like last week, I'm not going to go running back, wide receiver, quarterback. I'm just going to rank my Debbie-related players from one to, I've got seven guys ranked right now, and I really want to focus on four or five of them. Number one, DeAndre Swift, no surprise there. Second, I've got Zamir White, and a close third is James Cook. Really, really like James Cook. Fourth, I've got Jake Fromm, because I play in a lot of super flex leagues, and I know a lot of you guys too do as well. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. Jeremiah Holloman, five. Really, really excited about the potential of Holloman. George Pickens, sixth. And I'm going to put Brian Heron at seven, but there are a plethora of freshman wide receivers and sophomore wide receivers from Georgia that I'm really excited about as well. But let's let's start. This starts and stops at the running back position, and they are four deep. Now, according to UGA's Wire, who does a really good job and are really in tune with what's going on as far as the position players in Georgia Bulldogs football, they're projecting a depth chart this fall to open up DeAndre Swift, Brian Heron, James Cook. They've got fourth. They've got Zamir White fourth. Now, I know that's a little shocking, but you have to remember, for those of you that don't know, Zamir White is coming off of his second ACL injury, which is concerning. I, I have been concerned about that, and I'm still concerned about that. And by all accounts, he'll be healthy for the fall but Georgia's going to bring him on slowly, and they really have no reason to rush him back. They've got one of the most dynamic running backs in the country starting. They've got a capable backup in Brian Heron. He's a senior, so he knows the offense. He's not a liability on passing downs or in pass protection. Then they've got James Cook. Now, let's talk about James Cook here. Depending on the recruiting service that you subscribe to, he was either a four- or five-star rated prospect, brother of Minnesota Vikings, uh, starting tailback Dalvin Cook. James Cook is smooth. I love watching him play. And he played a little bit last year as a true freshman. And I'd, I'd call it a little bit of mop-up duty as well as he had a, a couple of plays in-game action with Elijah Holyfield there. And I think James Cook is going to surprise a lot of people this season. I just completed, uh, I think it's our third Debbie mock draft hosted by uh, Debbie Warehouse. And James Cook, I think I got him like in the seventh round of that mock draft. But with James Cook, Brian Heron, and DeAndre Swift, I don't know how much opportunities Amir White is going to have on the front end. I think he's an ultra-talented player, but we have to be careful with running backs and these knee injuries. And we, we see this going on with Todd Gurley now, and is he just an outlier case to where he's the only one that has arthritis in his knee after ACL surgeries? I don't know if that's the case or not, but we have to take that into consideration. I do think at some point it will be a combination of Swift, Zamir White, and James Cook as the three-man rotation in that backfield. It just may happen a little bit later and not on the front end or at the beginning of the college football season for Georgia. Now, I have Jake Fromm ranked fourth as far as Debbie prospects on the Georgia team. 
And that's because I participate in a lot of Superflex leagues. I really enjoy the Superflex format. And I believe that Jake Fromm will be one of the higher drafted quarterbacks coming out in 2020. I think he's right after Justin Herbert. He'll probably be the third or fourth quarterback selected. Either way, he will have an opportunity to start at some point in his NFL career. And quarterbacks are king in the Superflex format. So when you have an accurate passer like Jake Fromm, who has the, the pedigree and the skill set to potentially be a starting NFL quarterback, you can't dismiss that. And that is why I have him fourth. But let's dive into Jeremiah Holloman, all right? My fifth ranked Debbie player on this team. He was a high four-star recruit coming out of high school. He's six foot two, 200 pounds. Last season, he only caught the ball 24 times for 418 yards and five touchdowns. But it's how he plays the game that's really exciting to me. Now, Georgia is not a high-flying, run them up throw-the-ball-a-ton offense. Fromm is very efficient, doesn't take a lot of risks. If there are deep balls to be thrown, he, he would more than likely connect on those. But Holloman is a physical wide receiver. He is a hell of a blocker, which will you know excite NFL scouts in the running game. And I know that for dynasty purposes and for fantasy football, we don't get excited about a wide receiver that can block. But that's an invaluable skill set. And to have somebody on the outside who can help spring a running back on a long run, that's only going to increase his value when you're looking at the 2020 uh, class of wide receivers and his opportunity at the next level. The more you can stay on the field, the better for the wide receiver. Now, Holloman can also catch the ball, too. He is not a blazer by any stretch. He sort of reminds me of a poor man's Des Bryant. He's got size. He's got power. And I think he was better than Riley Ridley. Now. The stats may not show that, and everybody wants to just assume that Riley Ridley was this route-running savant because of his brother Calvin Ridley, but I think Holloman was the better wide receiver on that team last year. He just didn't have as many opportunities, but what Georgia wide receiver did. Their leading receiver last year caught 43 balls, and that was Riley Ridley for 559 yards. So when you look at it that way, I mean, Holloman was not that far behind what the number one guy did, and Riley Ridley was drafted last year. McCole Hardman, 35 catches for 543 yards. DeAndre Swift, third, 32 grabs. Isaac Nata, 30. So Jeremiah Holloman was right there as one of the leading receivers for that team, and he averaged 17 yards a catch. He was a deep play threat. As much as we want to think that McCole Hardman was the deep, deep ball threat, it was actually Jeremiah Holloman. Ten fewer grabs, but he was a deep ball threat. He's got good hands, good size, solid speed. Um, there's, a, there's a play where he just kind of juked out the entire South Carolina defense and carried him for a ride. They couldn't even tackle him. He's a physical wide receiver, and I really, really like his prospectus. Moving forward, and I say he's just a sleeper pick. He's somebody that's not going to go round one, absolutely not. Two, hell no. Three, probably not. I can absolutely see myself and Dynasty owners taking a shot on Holloman in the fourth round of of Dynasty rookie drafts uh, next season. Now, George Pickens is a incoming true freshman from Hoover, Alabama. Now, Hoover is traditionally a powerhouse down in Alabama, and Pickens, <laughs> he he shined. A five-star recruit, six foot four, 200 and something pounds. He does not fit the mold of what we've seen a lot of NFL talent evaluators go for over the past couple of years. We see these bigger wide receivers sort of get knocked because they're not the most agile. Uh, they don't have, you know, all the speed and the agility that some of the smaller guys do. But Pickens is pretty damn good. I mean, after the catch, 
in high school, he made some plays that I didn't think a wide receiver of his size should make. He has good hands. I wouldn't say he has great hands, but his catch radius, his ball tracking ability, and his ability to make people miss after the catch are really, really impressive. And I think he steps on campus in Athens uh, this fall or on the field this fall in Athens, and he makes an immediate impact for that team. They lost Godwin. They lost McCall Hardman. They lost Riley Ridley. There are a lot of targets and a lot of opportunity up for grabs on that offense. And George Pickens is somebody that I think in a couple of years we'll be talking about him being one of the top Debbie wide receivers right there, along with Brew McCoy, Garrett Wilson, and players in that 2022 draft class. George Pickens is somebody that should make some noise day one of the 2019 college football season. And we'll wrap up with Brian Heron, the senior. I think he's I think he's just a guy. He's going to get opportunity, but he's somebody that dynasty owners really probably don't need to have on their radar. I'll just say this. I like Elijah Holyfield a hell of a lot better than Heron. Um, so that should tell you everything you need to know about his potential outlook in dynasty circles. So a couple of bonus guys to talk about who still have some potential on this Georgia offense and for Debbie dynasty owners is Demetrius Robinson. He was a stud at Cal his freshman year, catching almost 50, uh, 800 yards on 50 balls with seven TDs. Downfield monster speed was threatening defensive backs in the Pac-12. He has elite speed. Transferred out of Cal after, I don't know what happened his sophomore year, but he did absolutely nothing there. So last year, um, he was eligible to play. And that did not go very well. He didn't do much for Georgia, but all accounts, uh, his, he had a very good spring. Kirby Smart said he's come a long way. And he really can be an X factor in this wide receiver position group as somebody who could potentially replace McCall Hardman because he has that sort of speed. But Dominic Blaylock was the fifth ranked wide receiver in the 2019 class. And he's six foot one, 200 pounds. He's got some potential in the All-American Bowl. He had like two TDs within the first 10 minutes of the game. He's got speed, athleticism. I'd like to see what he does this fall and follow those reports out of fall camp of how Blaylock is looking. But I think he's got some potential along with George Pickens to be sort of that sleeper wide receiver, true freshman prospect who can make some noise early on. Now, Athlon Sports released their 2019 preseason All-American team, and I just laugh because there aren't many surprises on this list. Majority of these guys you've heard of, I've talked about, you've seen highlight clips of them, but it's just a reminder of how talented these players are. And when you hear who's on the fourth team offense or you know who didn't make first team preseason All-American, it just shows you how incredibly deep the talent pool in college football is. So real quick, and we're just going to hit on on fantasy-relevant players on the offensive side. First-team All-American, preseason All-Americans, no surprise at the top, Tua Tungavailoa from Alabama, running backs are Jonathan Taylor and Travis Etienne. All-purpose player is Rondell Moore, the wide receivers. little shocking here. You got Jerry Judy, no shock, but Tylen Wallace, a first-team preseason All-American, Albert O, the tight end out of Missouri, Going over to the second team, Trevor Lawrence from the defending national champion Clemson Tigers, Najee Harris, second team preseason All-American along with DeAndre Swift, and Keyshawn Vaughn. Really, really like what's happening with the Keyshawn Vaughn hype. He's very well deserving to be in that fringe first round, early second round consideration for 2020 draft purposes. 
You got a pair of Clemson Tigers at wide receiver. The Twin Towers, T. Higgins and Justin Ross. Tight end, uh, Washington tight end Hunter Bryant rounds out the second team preseason All-American list. Third, you've got Sam Ellinger out of Texas. Now, I really don't know what to make out of Ellinger. I'm not a fan per se. I think he's got great arm talent. He's a tough kid. I mean, that guy will run through a brick wall for his team. I I just, I question the accuracy. I question what he could actually do at the NFL level as a thrower. Definitely I'll keep my eye on him. And I'm not excited about him in super flex formats, but I don't know what the NFL is going to think about a player like him. So we'll see what he does this year. But Ellinger is the 13 preseason All-American quarterback. Running backs are Eno Benjamin and A.J. Dillon. Yikes. Now, there's been a little bit of chatter about Dylan on Twitter about, well, if he loses weight and catches more pass, I just think that's his frame. He's not fat. He's thickly built, and he reminds me of TJ Duckett, which is not good. I just am not impressed by A.J. Dillon. I wouldn't touch him in Debbie drafts. I won't touch him in Dynasty drafts. I don't think that he has the skill set to be a successful NFL running back. I think he has a role. He can be that hammer. He can be that maybe goal line piece, but I don't think any NFL team will ever feature an offense around A.J. Dillon, but maybe he can prove me wrong this this fall. J.J. Taylor out of Arizona is third team, all-purpose player. He's a fantastic five, fantastic runner, catcher, return man, but he's five foot five, 170 pounds. So for dynasty purposes, we're not interested. Third team wide receivers, LaVisca Chenault and C.D. Lamb. And the third team tight end, Grant Calcaterra. Uh, you know, I talked about him last week. I love me some Calcaterra. Maybe I just like saying his last name, but I think he is a talented, talented wide receiver slash tight end. He, he isn't blocking a soul, but that dude can catch the ball and run some routes. Now, fourth team, I didn't know they'd come out with a fourth team, but fourth team, you got Jake Fromm and his backfield mates would be J.K. Dobbins and Kennedy Brooks. Finally, some Kennedy Brooks love. I said it last week, I like Brooks more than I like Trey Sermon. Kennedy Brooks is a sleeper. And if I am, if you're a savvy, savvy Devi owner, savvy dynasty leaguer, you will note and pay attention to Kennedy Brooks this fall. I think he's got an opportunity to really propel himself into being, you know, that in that second, third tier of 2020 running backs. Love me some Kennedy Brooks. Now, fourth team all-purpose player, Jalen Rager. A little disappointed my man Rager ain't getting more love. But, you know, playing at TCU, that offense was god-awful last year. They started three different quarterbacks. All three of them stunk. Rager completely dominated for that team. Good to see him get a little bit of preseason All-American love. Fourth-team all-purpose player. Wide receivers are Colin Johnson and Tyler Johnson. A little low on Tyler Johnson, but again, Minnesota. Playing in that Big Ten on a team that isn't going to win a lot of games, you know, it's just hard for him to, to get that recognition and love as far as All-American height, but in Debbie circles, I mean, he's in tier one for me as far as wide receiver prospects for this class. And the tight end rounding out the preseason All-Americans is Colby Parkinson from Stanford. Stanford, you know, death taxes and a Stanford tight end. They always produce quality tight ends for the NFL purposes. Parkinson's like six foot seven. So we'll pay attention to how that, how that rolls. Now, as far as the team breakdowns, Alabama had nine players selected to the preseason All-American teams, and that's offense and defense special teams. Clemson, eight. Georgia, five. Iowa, four. Ohio State, Texas, and OU all combined for, for four as well. Now, 
I believe it was the first or second episode I talked about if you had never watched college football, where do you start? And, you know, the number one place was the SEC. Well, looking at the preseason All-American team breakdowns, the SEC had 26 players selected to the preseason All-American teams, followed by the Big Ten with 21, the ACC with 18, Pac-12, 17, and the Big 12, 12. So, Again, if you're going to watch college football this fall or really dive into your pre-draft process a little bit earlier, the SEC is where you want to start. There's something to be said when 26 of these players are coming from the the Southeastern Conference. It is a good conference for football. The NFL talent evaluators value SEC players, SEC competition. And we we looked at the numbers, the players who are drafted, the players who have made all pros, the players who are, are respective starters for the position. Majority of them or a lot of them come from the Southeastern Conference. So watch those SEC games. Now, I said this last episode, I've said it on Twitter, and I really, really mean it. I am done ranking prospects, wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight end, not doing it anymore. Tier based approach. That's how I'm doing it. And for me, it's cleaner, it's an easier process for me to delineate who I would really take if I were on the clock, because that's what matters. Not just who I like more. It's when I'm on the clock, when I'm going to make a selection, which one of these guys would I value and take over the other? And what I did for comparison purposes, because there are people out there who are still conducting 2019 rookie drafts, and there are people who are still trading assets for 2019 picks, for 2019 wide receivers and running backs, that I think there has to be some context revolved around how good this 2020 class is compared to 2019. So I did a comparison and a combined tiered wide receiver rankings for 2019 and 2020. And this is how my tier breakdowns go. Tier one, I've got Jalen Rager, Tyler Johnson, and Jerry Judy. Those are my three clear-cut guys early in this process. Again, this is June. Things will change. Things are going to change. But for right now, Combining 2019 and 2020, that's my tier one group of wide receivers. No 2019 guys are in that tier one class. I think Rager is a dynamic, versatile athlete. I think Tyler Johnson is probably one of the most pro-ready along with Jerry Judy. And Jerry Judy has skills from a wide receiver position that we have not seen in a long time. Stop-start ability, agility, speed. He's a fantastic wide receiver. Those guys are my three tier one wide receivers as we stand today. Now, tier two... I've got C.D. Lamb, LaVisca Chenault, T. Higgins, Henry Ruggs, and we get a 2019 guy, Nikhil Harry. I think he falls comfortably within that tier two of wide receivers, along with those 2020 guys. C.D. Lamb, body control, hand, spectacular uh, catchability. LaVisca Chenault, dynamic playmaker, 6'2", 220 pounds, can do a lot of different things. T. Higgins, 6'4", 200 pounds, skyscraper that can go over the top, get the ball, has the ability to do some things after the catch. And Henry Ruggs is somebody that is really, really, really climbing in my tier rankings, and I actually moved him up from tier three to tier two. I think that his skill set, speed, and toughness is something that can translate immediately. Not saying that he'll go to the NFL and be a high-volume wide receiver. I don't believe that's the case. But he definitely can step in from day one, catch a tunnel screen, and turn it up and race 50 yards for a touchdown. He can give you those splash plays. I think consistency early on will be his biggest you know, adjustment factor, but his speed and, and talent with the ball in his hands will translate ASAP. And Nikhil Harry, 
I mean, he was my number one ranked player in 2019 at the start of last college football season, at the end of last college football season. And if I had the one-on-one outside of super flex formats in any dynasty league, he would have been my pick. I know there are early reports about him having trouble separating against Stephon Gilmore. Give me a freaking break. Gilmore's an all-pro cornerback. If if Nikhil Harry was out there abusing uh, Gilmore, that would be a, that'd be a, the bigger story, right? I mean, come on, he's a rookie wide receiver going against an all-pro cornerback. I'm not at all concerned about that. If anything, if there are people who are worried about that, I'd be putting out some offers for Nikhil Harry. Now, tier three is where things get interesting. I've got Tylen Wallace, A.J. Brown, Paris Campbell, Brian Edwards, D.K. Metcalf, and Marquise Hollywood-Brown in my tier three uh, of wide receivers. I love A.J. Brown, and this is landing spot independent. I don't care where they landed. We're just looking at them as prospects. I love A.J. Brown, but I wouldn't take him over Chenault, Higgins, Ruggs, Lamb, or Harry. Paris Campbell, I think his skill set translates to the NFL, although some unproven traits, I do think his speed and playmaking ability will be um, a nice asset in addition to the NFL. Ryan Edwards, early breakout age. I think he's really going to shine without Debo Samuel in that offense this year. DK Metcalf, say what you want about him. He has size. He has speed. I know the lateral agility is not there, but I really like his work ethic. And I think that he is going to surprise some people in the NFL this year. And he still had second round draft capital, albeit at the end of the second round, but he still had it. Hollywood Brown, I've got him ranked lower than I have CeeDee Lamb because I think Lamb is the better wide receiver of the two. Hollywood is 5'9", 170, and we just have not seen players of his size, even though he is fast, succeed consistently at the NFL. So I think Hollywood Brown, for me, falls within that tier three ranking of wide receivers. And Tylen Wallace, his name preseason first team All-American at the wide receiver position, my initial study in the Wallace. I'm like, eh, I'm mad. I'm not excited. I'm not super down. I think he's a fine wide receiver. I, I, I just need to look at him a little bit more because I'm still up in the air. And, and there may be some of that Oklahoma State wide receiver bias working against him in my eyes that I need to eliminate. You know, a Darius Bowman, Rashawn Woods, Justin Blackman, Des Bryant, James Washington. We've seen those receivers enter into the NFL and some have had success. And others, you know, it's still up in the air, but we'll see what Tylen Wallace can do this year. Tier four, I got J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Debo Samuel, and McCole Hardman. Tier five, I've got Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, Colin Johnson, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. That's sort of how I would rank out those wide receivers. I like Jaws, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and I think he's going to make a fantastic pro, but I wouldn't take him over any of the 2020 guys outside of Colin Johnson. Debo. You know, I think Brian Edwards is a better wide receiver than Debo Samuel. And I love me some Debo and my man, McCall Hardman. Y'all know I banged the table for Hardman uh, for a long time. Uh, I almost put him in tier five, but I'm, I'm going to give him a little bit of grace because I do think he has a skill set and he's so young that can translate. And it's that speed. You can't teach speed. You can teach a lot of things. You can help improve a route runner. You can help that out, but you cannot teach God-given speed, and McCole Hardman has it. Colin Johnson, Hakeem Butler, you know that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at one another? Like, they're the same player. I think Colin Johnson is a better wide receiver than Hakeem Butler, but they're same size, you know, height, weight, probably speed. I mean, they are identical. I mean, they're pointing at each other like, hey, you're me and I'm you. But I do think Colin Johnson is a little bit better 
wide receiver than Hakeem Butler. So that is my combined 2019-2020 wide receivers tiers. I plan on doing that for the running backs, for the tight ends, for the quarterbacks in coming episodes. On next week's episode, I'll be taking a look at the Ohio State Buckeyes Debbie team preview and all the goodness that they have on that roster from the running backs, the wide receivers, and for those of you who participate in Superflex format leagues, the quarterbacks. So we'll take a look at Ohio State. I also want to start start getting into these running backs. I've talked about them a little bit on the top end, but this class is nasty. It's deep. There's a lot of talented guys, and there's a lot of flip-flopping at the top from one through six. I mean, you'll get different answers from everybody. So I'm still cleaning up some of those guys and, and reviewing some tape on, on a few of those guys. And man, I was watching Jonathan Taylor last night and I'll just say he looks like Nick Chubb. Just watching him right now, he reminds me of Nick Chubb when he was at Georgia. So really excited about JT and a lot of other guys from the 2020 class. I also hope to have my first bonus episode with a fantastic guest that's going to talk some Debbie Dynasty stuff. So just stay tuned for that. I will start getting those those guest features for the bonus pods that will come out on the weekends. But once again, just like always, thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me your ear, taking your time to check out this show. Again, remember DeAndre Hopkins jersey giveaway next week. Share the show, subscribe to the podcast, leave me feedback, engage with me on Twitter. Hey, until next time, you already know what's coming next. That's the show. Drop the music.